Welcome, everybody, to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. I am the host. Over there is Janelle Fosquette. She Hello. is the co-captain, my colonel, my guidance in this uh, journey. How are you, Janelle? I'm doing good. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm fired up. We got a great episode today. Today, we get the opportunity to talk to Battalion Chief Dina Alley. And I, I think um, she is one of the up and coming voices of the fire service, um, not only for, you know, female side, but also on leadership. We had a great conversation with her. She's very humble and um, talks about, you know, leading with humility and uh, and also a drive to be better, better every shift, which is what we're about here. Uh, but, um, you know, what a great episode we have coming up today. What what were your takeaways real quick, just to tease a little bit? Well, she has done a lot of research and studies into behavioral health for firefighters, firefighter suicides. So she has a wealth of knowledge in this area. And it was just great speaking with her because she has some really good tips um, and just guidance and reminders, especially for firefighters who are doubting themselves, finding them yeah. in these moments where they're not so sure about their abilities and you know, that's, that's okay. You know, um, she has talked about how it's, it's okay to not be okay from the standpoint of depression and mental health issues, but it's also okay to admit when you not, when you don't know something. Right. Um, right. And to rely and, on those around you. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and be very humble about that. And so, yeah. um, and well, she wrote let's a get great in article about this as well. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes, but it's called Be a Not Knower, okay. uh, The Power of Leading with Humility, um, which just perfectly complements everything we were talking about on today's show. Yep. Um, again, great leader, uh, really worth a good read in her article and listen. And also, I pull out a great kung fu movie kind of uh, movie-esque uh, uh, not quote, but uh, time frame there where we have some technical difficulties so those that are watching on video, my lips do not match my voice at some time. So like the old Kung Fu theater. So if you're uh, watching for that, that's just a little technical glitch. If you're listening, no problems. Listen away. Really happy to have you here. And, and let me just tell everybody um, kind of a little bit about you. And um, let me know if, if I miss anything. Uh, but you are a battalion chief for the Raleigh Fire Department in North Carolina. And, and before that, you uh, worked on the other side uh, as a police officer. Uh, you got your master's degree from the University of North Carolina, Pembroke, you, uh, where you focused at your research on firefighter suicide. You're an adjunct instructor for the NFA. You're founder and director of the North Carolina Peer Support Team. You're an avid fitness enthusiast and biker. And then uh, apparently, I just saw this, congratulations, you were named the 2022 Remarkable Woman winner for North Central, um, or for North Carolina, the Central North Carolina uh, representative for that. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What, what did I miss there? Anything? That was pretty impressive. Uh, I might have to like go back and write that down so I could use it in the future. That was <laughs> awesome. You, you did a better job with my bio than I've ever done. Thank you. I'll, we'll, I, we'll I'd like to clarify to biker. Are we talking uh biker or cyclist? Cyclist. Cyclist. Ooh, got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. A that's, key distinction. <laughs> it's a key distinction. It, um, uh, it, it changes which helmet you put on. That's for darn sure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. If I was a biker, I probably would not be alive right now because I'm very impatient. 
<laughs> it's I, it's a well you're see here's the deal you're a mountain biker or a cyclist correct isn't there's a difference there right yeah and i do both of those um but not a motorcyclist okay so, yeah. non-motorcyclist and you're newly um uh, congratulations you know your battalion chief in, in raleigh um and uh you know you and i have a lot of uh i i've heard a lot of people say hey you need to talk to Dina, you and just just talk about some health and wellness and some fitness, which we will today. Um, and it was really funny because Janelle and I were doing, you know, the better every shift. And we had to do a, a, a practice um, podcast, just her and I. And we did uh, we focused on some positive things. And one of the, the articles and, and news uh, stories we came out was a story of you helping out one of the. Um, someone who lost their home on Chris on New Year's Eve. And we, we kind of did a synopsis of, of all that. And we actually, in that episode said, you know, chief, uh, give us a call. We'd love to have you on and hear a little bit about it. And here you are. Uh, let's start with that. Like, so what happened on that and, and how did that whole thing come about? So yeah, um, New Year's Eve, we had a structure fire. Um, it was later changed to just a shed fire. So we just assumed it was like, oh man, you know, that, that let down. Um, oh, it's just a small shed, no big deal. Uh, so it was um, pretty impressive. Uh, there was a lot of fire. Um, we put it out. And then we realized that somebody actually had turned that into their house. It wasn't like a, sh a shed of supplies. I mean, there was a bed cooking stuff. Um, it, it was somebody's house and, uh, after the fire was put out and we're cleaning up and we're getting information, we find out the lady's 76 years old. Um, she's disabled. She still works two jobs. Uh, and she lives in a shed because, uh, during the pandemic, she lost her like housing because she works two jobs, but neither are full time. Uh, so, you know, and while we were there, she asked two things. She was like, uh, can you find my key? I need to, I need to drive my van because I still have to work. And then there was a couple other things she asked, you know, can you find this? Can you find that? But I mean, she lost everything. I mean, such a small space. It was, there's a lot of fuel. So it was a lot of fire. So I couldn't find any of the stuff that she asked me to find. And it, you know, we, as firefighters, we're so excited to run fires and make grabs and be heroes. But it's situations like that we leave and we feel really crappy because we didn't go help anybody. Like I, we put the fire out, but we didn't do anything positive for her. And, you know, a lot of people after it, they were like, oh, that was so awesome what you did for her. You're such a good person. But really, that's not the truth. Like I did it more for myself than for her because I the next day I went to try to sleep and I couldn't sleep because I couldn't stop thinking about her, thinking about her circumstances, the fact that she lost everything. She can't drive to work. Um, and it just it, I couldn't turn my mind off of it. So I just did a very simple Facebook post and I was like, Hey, you know, I would love to just collect a little bit of money to give her a gift card so she can buy some clothes. And it was amazing. The amount of people that were just grabbed by a simple, like three sentence Facebook post. And within 24 hours, uh, I had $4,000 donated. Uh, one of my friends had a connection, uh, with, uh, the Heister automotive, uh, in our area. And they were like, yeah, we'll make her a new key for free. No big deal. And then a uh, nonprofit, the Victor company in our area, they were like, they, we, they found out that the reason she lived in that shed, it was outside of her sister's house was because all the bedrooms were upstairs and um, she couldn't 
go up and down stairs. Her knee. And then I also later learned um, she's a private person and she likes her quiet. But um, the Victor Company had a chairlift donated so that she could oh. go up the stairs and stay in the bedroom in her sister's house. So it, it was it was really cool. It was more about the community that saw the post and all jumped in. And literally, like, everybody was like, man, you did such a great thing. And like, yeah, no, for me, like, I was right. able to sleep that night and it made me feel really good. Her and I have stayed connected for my birthday. She sent me flowers. She's such a sweetheart. Um, so that, that was really cool. Well, you say it's for you, but really, you know, it started that way, but it turned into such a selfless action, which is so great. And it's, it's, you're channeling something into something positive for somebody, which is helping kind of release that burden too, which I think is a big reason why, you know, firefighters deal with so many, you know, mental health issues too, is because they're like just keeping holding on to all those emotions, you know? So kudos to you for, you know, taking that feeling and turning it into an action. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, to touch on that and, and kind of this leads to the next question. I mean, that's not the first time you felt that it's not the first, right. It's just, it, it, it just turned into an action um, but I think all of us have, you know, you, there's those calls that you think about, how did this wind up? What, what's the next thing? And, um, and that weighs on us mentally. Right. And I think, is that one of the motivating factors for you to start the different organizations that you started up there in North Carolina? Um, I, you have a, a cycling club up there now, and you started a, a peer support team with, through the state I mean, are those, was that called a motivating factor or was this, were you doing that well before this? I was doing that well before this, but again, um, it's everything that I've ever done. I'm not like, and this is honest. It, it started with my selfish needs, like what I needed. Uh, so, cause I hate to try to come out here and seem like I'm this, uh, like giving loving that is always thinking about others. Um, cause it, a lot of the stuff that I do started with my selfish needs. Um, I'm a part of a cycling group uh, called the Carolina Brotherhood. It's a really awesome organization. They were founded in 2012 by a couple of Charlotte firefighters after uh, Captain Jeff Bowen from the Asheville Fire Department uh, was killed uh, in an arson fire. And they just wanted to honor him. The year before was the 10 year anniversary of 9-11 where uh, firefighters rode from New York or from Florida to New York. And so these guys in Charlotte were like, hey, we should do something more locally to honor our fallen. So they created a ride from Wilmington to Asheville and me being a cyclist and being just really into the service. It was like a no brainer. Like, I want to be involved in that. And so I got involved with that organization in 2012. And then in 2015, I just went through a really shitty year and ended up pretty depressed and um, struggled with thoughts of suicide. And my struggle, I guess I, you know, it was like a really shitty year. Am I allowed to say yeah. that? On here? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I had like on one end, I had something really bad happen, but then on the other end, the timing of life and the timing of, the, of our circumstances. So I also was newly promoted uh, to driver, but assigned to a pretty slow, boring station. And that first promotion to driver also use a relief acting role in the officer's seat. So back to writing reports, which I hadn't had to write anything in a while. And I had no idea how to, um, 
there were, I couldn't remember where semicolons and stuff like that went. So I was like, Hey, maybe yeah. I should go back to school. So I literally just, um, signed up for graduate school to just see if I could do it. And then also I thought it'd be a good idea to just force me to do some writing. Um, however, so that fall in school, I had an assignment and it was action research, find an area where current practices are not best practices, research and help develop better practices. So just the timing, ironic, I'm feeling really depressed. It's when I'm like at my lowest in life and I have this assignment and I'm still like super just into the the job. Like from day one, I just was one of those people that I was drawn to this profession because of like this brotherhood and this always like kind of like the podcast, you know, every day you get better. And I had that passion every day to always get better. And so I reached out to our safety chief um, and I just asked him, hey, this is my assignment. What's a subject that I could research for the Raleigh Fire Department that could be a benefit? And this is 2015, like not too terribly long ago, but in terms of firefighter mental health, it's kind of a long time ago because we really weren't talking about it. So he asked me if I would research firefighter suicide. And of course, my first thought is like, holy crap, what does he know? Because right. it seems so random. Yep. Um, and so like every good student, I go to Google and firefighter suicide. And, um, you know, the articles that popped up, I guess for me at the time, again, just another bit of fortune. Uh, three of the first articles that popped up are ones that I still reference today because they were that good. And one was a dissertation by Dr. Janet Sabia. She um, did her dissertation in my state, North Carolina, on firefighter suicide. And it was just such a well-written article. But what grabbed she connected to the feelings I was having. So in that, I wasn't struggling because of a bad call or a serious trauma or anything like that. I, I was just struggling because of disconnection I felt. Um, I you know, I, I worked with some people who, um, you know, I didn't feel like I belonged with and it was a tough time, but I was super humiliated because I'm like, man, I cannot believe that I'm feeling this way because this person doesn't want me in it here. You know, mm -hmm. I thought it was so, I thought it was such a silly reason. Um, so I was just really just not sharing it with anybody, like just bottling it up within me. Uh, and but you're also promoted, right? You're just promoted. All, so you're yeah. sitting in a new seat trying to figure that out and having these kind of second guesses almost, right? Like it's, um, and, and the reason I point that out is I can relate to that a little bit as, as I've gone through my career, but right, you're, you're now you're stepping up into a more of a leadership role, yet you're second guessing yourself, right? And, and that's part of this process, right? That you're, you're experiencing. A hundred percent. So like I'm, I'm stepping up in this new leadership role and up until that point, like things have been going really well in my career with relationships, uh, with people, with just this bright future. And I had this first promotion and it's like, you know, so, so much excitement, like, wow, things are going really well. Um, I get to take the next role. I can lead a little. Uh, but it was one of my firefighters who, you know, been on the job 10 years longer than me. So it wasn't an older guy who just refused to even acknowledge my existence from day one. And so instantaneously like that excitement of the promotion was just kind of ripped away because mm -hmm. I realized how much control like other people had at the time, right? The, the control they had, like if he doesn't want me to lead him, I can't lead him. Uh, and 
yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was really tough, but it was really hard to talk about because, you know, I had friends from the Academy, I had friends, other places, uh, my family, you know, people are excited. They're like, Hey, congratulations. You're promoted. We're so proud of you. But I just, there was no way I could say, no, don't be proud of me. Like the guys yeah. talk to me. Um, yeah. It's they, not they going as well as you thought. Yeah. Right? No, right? Yeah. And at the time I just looked at myself and was like, I don't deserve this. Like I am unworthy. Uh, I, I didn't have the ability to step out and see that maybe this person was insecure and he chose um, to treat me the way he did to make himself feel better. Um, I, I didn't have that uh, emotional intelligence at the time to see that. Uh, but back to Dr. Savio's research, um, I was so grateful I stumbled upon it because in it, she talked about things like that. She explained that for first responders, we think that our problems are so insignificant compared to the problems of everybody else. And when we struggle with things like relationships or addictions um, or disappointments, we become extremely humiliated by them because they're insignificant compared to the problems of the world. And for that reason, we silence them. And she explained how that silence is what can really build into turmoil. And so as I read, it, I was like, holy crap, this is exactly what I'm feeling. Yeah. And there was no better feeling at the time than to realize that I'm not a crazy person or that I'm not, you know, just completely off my knocker. Uh, so it, it was just, it was so powerful. And then of course, just learning how common uh, mental health struggles were for first responders, um, suicide, all that other stuff, it gave me a purpose and a passion. Mm -hmm. uh, so that little assignment just turned into some sort of purpose. Like, you know, I, I felt better doing it. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I want to help learn to help other people feel better. Cause, cause other, some other people got to be going through this, right? Like, um, and you, and you, you, you also thought like, okay, this isn't just me and what I'm actually feeling is was validated, right? You've kind of, I'm sure you were reading that research going, wait a minute, is she researching me? You know, like this is a late night television, you know, what are they trying to get me to buy here? Right. But you're, you're reading this going, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Did you find that there wasn't the other side of that? A, people weren't talking about it. B, what do you do for that? Right? Like wh what was your next step then after that? And that, and that was exactly it. So um, when I realized that I'm not the only person dealing with this, that other people are struggling, um, that's when I, I, my next step was, okay, where are the solutions? Um, what are the solutions? So then I just dove deeper into the research, um, found the work of Dr. Thomas Joyner from uh, Florida State University. Uh, you know, all these other leading researchers, Chief Dandegrice from Chicago Fire Department had done a lot of work. Uh, and I, I, you know, just dove into their research and that's where every bit of research came back to the need for peer support. And just looking at Dr. Joyner's um, scientific model of suicide, you know, and some of the other models and seeing that a commonality was disconnection and how uh, connection is life sustaining. So then of course, peer support can be that bit of connection. Uh, so it just, it led into research. It led into this passion, this desire to like create a peer support network to get the word out about peer support. Uh, and then that just snowballed um, into recognizing, you know, I just um, presented last week and one of the things I said and sometimes when I say it, people initially are like, what? Because um, it was a peer support summit. And I said, you know, I wish we could get rid of peer support teams because we should all be peers that support each other. 
You yeah. don't need somebody who's attended a special training. You need to be surrounded by people that get it and are willing to look out for each other. And that starts with our leaders. Like what's far better than a peer support team is a good company officer who will care about their crew. I tell people all the time, I would rather have a company officer uh, who takes good care of their crew, who makes it okay not to be okay, who advocates for resources, then have to send somebody to a peer that they may not know, may not have a relationship with. It's that person they have the relationship with that is far more meaningful. Um, so then the direction, you know, peer support, yes, great, we need it. But now how do we make better leaders and develop leaders who care more? Um, and Aaron, I don't know uh, if you have experienced this, but every promotional test I've taken where there's like subordinate counseling um, you're trained and taught that if you refer to EAP, you can get that point. And that's refer to EAP. It's exactly what it is. We rehearse that. You know, you rehearse, okay, you go through steps one, two, three, four, five, and you got to mention EAP. You have to, are, do you feel safe? Do you need me to get, uh, get you out of this situation? That's a valid question, obviously. But then it doesn't ask anything personally. It goes into this robotic script of having to check the box and then refer you to EAP and let me know. And then you say, I'm here for you and I I can listen and everything else. But after that, I think, you know, like it's a a robotic response to this situation, which is probably what you encountered as well and and still see in a lot of departments, right? And then you have a lot of company officers who have this idea in their head that my job is to refer to the right resource. I am not the right resource. And what we need more than somebody who can refer is somebody who can connect. Yes, resources are important. Uh, me and Janelle were talking um, before we started about you know, how awesome therapy is and how beneficial it could be for all people. Uh, so it's so important for you know our company officers to be able to share that and say, you know, here's what I know about therapy and here's how you connect. But before that step, they've got to be the ones that show that care and they've got to be the ones that model the behavior that they want their people to see. If you're a company officer and you are Mr. Perfect, higher than thou, never struggled, never needed a resource, how is your you know, firefighter going to trust and believe that it's okay not to be okay? They're going to yeah. feel alienated and isolated. But what bothers me more is when I hear leaders say, oh, you know, that's, that's not in in my realm, I have to refer out. And yeah. they, they have no idea the line um, that that they're creating uh, between them and their people. Uh, and, and we know like these careers are long. A lot of us start bright eyed in our 20s. And over the course of our careers, we, we lose our parents, we lose loved ones, um, we experience tragedy, we experience illness. So much happens in the course of our career. And every single one of us is going to be faced with some sort of grief and every single one of us is going to struggle. And what better way than to have somebody else who struggled, just help you see the path through and help you know that your struggle is not completely unique, that you're not the first one um, and you can get through it. I I think you, you mentioned something there about, uh, you know, therapy and, and I'm at, and I hope, uh, you know, members of my department would, would say, hey, yeah, I've heard him talk about it. But I, I mentioned I've, I, I've gone to therapy. I 
I think it's, I think every firefighter as part of their apprenticeship or academy should actually go and do a therapy session just to understand it's not probably what your perception of it is, number one. And number two, that way it opens the door for it. It's not, you know, hey, it's, it is for everyone. And I recommend it whether you feel you're doing great or you're not. Like we need these checks and balances. So, I, you know, I, I always, I, that's the first thing I tell people, like, wow, I had therapy and, it was great for me and I still do it. I still, even if things are going well, like, you know, and you mentioned that like, A, we don't, we all experience these same things. And that's really what this podcast really is all about. Like this started as you might be, you know, the battalion chief in North Carolina, but right now, hopefully there's a firefighter in, you know, Southern California that's saying, you know what, I can relate to that. I can relate to me feeling like I should have the answers and that I, you know, I'm, I'm stepping into promotional thing and I'm, more scared because I really don't know what's going on, you know, now. And it's okay to do that. And it's okay to go see therapy, which I think you wrote an article on that too, correct? Yeah. And uh, Carolina Fire Rescue Journal um, just published it in the summer. Uh, the, the article was titled Therapy is Awesome. And I actually got that idea. I was teaching a peer support class. And at the beginning of the class, people just go around and introduce themselves and talk about why they're here. And one of the people in class, she stood up and she was like, hey, my name is Alexis and um, therapy is awesome. And I want to help <laughs> other people go to therapy. And I, I love the way she did it. It was just so um, like everybody in the class just kind of laughed. It, uh, it, it was really cool. And so uh, from that point, you know, it was like, man, how do I help convey that message to other people that therapy is awesome? Yep. Yeah. And I read the article this morning and, I, and I, I was like, I was nodding. I was like, yeah. Actually, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, it, 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 hence the, the title, but you know, there, there are so many other, A, there's these stigmas with it, right? Like, Oh, how, why do you need that? You know, but once you experience it and you understand how it can help you, it, it's about, you know, sometimes providing you with tools. Sometimes it's a means where there are things that you're probably feeling that you don't even understand. Um, and, you know, and, and I think Janelle, you were, you were commenting earlier on her, the article she wrote, she wrote an article for, for FR1, right? For the, uh, kind of on that. She was interviewed. Yeah. She was interviewed right. by right. one of our editors for a great article. And it, that one is what it's okay to, okay to, it's okay to not be okay. Right. Isn't that what it was? Yeah. yeah I think yep. So. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, now that was the easiest article I ever wrote. Cause I didn't have to write a single thing. <laughs> there were some great quotes in there. Actually, I read, I read it this morning. Um, again, and, um, you know, I've been saying that for years, it's okay to not be okay. Cause we're all a little bit messed up and I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, well, I look in the mirror every morning, so I know that's true, but, um, you know, you don't know what someone else is going through, right? Like, and did you see that now you, you're in a, a chief's, um, role. Do you have to step back every once in a while? It, do you find yourself doing that more in the chief's role? Like, Look, I, first of all, you can't take things as personal, number one. And number two, maybe looking at it, turning around, saying, does this person need something? I mean, or how do you go about, you know, when you do have some conflicts or or you see that from, you know, like you experience that with your, um, you know, one of your senior uh, members, you know, being kind of put off about things. Like, how, what, how has that changed in your new role? Well, I think uh, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate that I just have this knowledge that it that I have that responsibility to know the people I work with, to have relationships. That way I could just tell when somebody has changed. And then of course, 
again, the fact that I, I'm aware of all the resources out there in a really uh, great position to be able to share those resources. So, and, and that's, I guess, part of like the messaging that I'm trying to share uh, with company officers, with chief officers is know your people, develop relationships with your people. I think for some of us, and I remember when I was new, you know, some of the things that they say is leave your baggage at the door. When you walk in, you're here for everybody else. And we realize you can't leave your baggage at the door. It's not possible. Um, but also for us to be at our best, to serve people, we have to be at our best. And that sometimes takes the people around recognizing when maybe we're a little off and checking to see what we need or just to show support. It's just so powerful to recognize that, you know, when you suffer in silence, that's extremely destructive. It causes you to do things that are not healthy. However, when you can be a little more open about what you're going through or just have space, you know, it's not about making everybody sit down and talk, but sometimes it's about being able to come in and say, hey, you know, I'm going through a lot right now. Uh, if, if I seem a little off, um, I just need a little, uh, and, and just having that awareness so that we know, hey, this person, uh, if I see that, you know, their their behaviors changed or they're they're slowing down i can maybe pick up pick up the limb out um but it's just really about having relationships and telling when they're off having the courage to just ask them you know hey you seem different you know normally you're you come in at 7 15 you, you make the coffee you're hanging out and you're active i've noticed you've been coming in later you're not socializing do you need anything is everything okay uh just something as simple as that can be so powerful for some somebody because I think all, all of us know that when we're it's not instinctual for us to say, "Hey, I'm struggling, help," because none of us like asking for help. No. But no. when somebody sees that we're struggling and they come to us and they say, "Hey, I've noticed this. Do you need anything?" Sometimes that's what we're desperate for is just to be able to share uh, when it's so hard to say, "I need help." Mm -hmm. I'd love to. You know, I was thinking about the younger generation coming into the fire service and there seems to, I don't want to like uh, rely too much here on generational stereotypes or tropes or anything, but one of the things that it seems um, just with younger people in general is that they're much better at prioritizing work-life balance and asking for help. And I'm curious if you're seeing that in the fire service for one and also if maybe even older generation firefighters, you know, are responding to that, learning from that, like, oh, these, these kids, like, they're okay being like, you know what, time out, I need a break, like, this is hard for me, whether it's, you know, just taking a day off or going to a therapist, whatever it might be, but just establishing those boundaries or talking about the tough calls. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that. And I, I think it's awesome. And I don't know if it's because, you know, you see, like we talked about, um, you know, documentaries on Netflix and there's been so many. Um, HBO had the one with the Olympic athletes and Michael Phelps kind of talked about his struggles. Simone Biles has really been open about her struggles. So we're seeing things that, you know, when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, you never saw anybody that we admire and respect be open about struggle. You know, everybody just showed all the good in their life. Um, so we just assumed that they'd never struggled. 
And so now you're just seeing how common struggle is. And, you know, I love that, you know, Netflix, HBO, you know, NBC, they're all sharing stories of healing uh, so that people know it's okay not to be okay and you can get through it. Uh, and I think that's why, because I, because, you know, I kind of smiled when you said that, because there's this new kid at the firehouse I work at. He's on an opposite shift, but he's so impressive. He gets to work like almost two hours early every day. It's off the truck, has this incredibly positive attitude, never sits down. Like, it's just like that perfect new person. But then they pick on him because they say like on his days off, they're like, man, he's so lazy. He goes home and takes a nap and goes for a <laughs> You know, he'll clean his house so his wife doesn't think he's a complete piece of crap. But I'm like rooting for him because I remember when I was new, I would I would never tell anybody if I was going home to take a nap um, because I didn't want anybody to think I was lazy. Um, but it's so cool to see an awesome new person that does an amazing job prioritize their health. And like he's like, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap and then I'll go run my eight miles. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm seeing a lot more of like the young generation knowing how to set boundaries and knowing it's okay to set boundaries. I think most of us would love to set boundaries, but our culture never made us feel that it was okay to have boundaries. No, and yeah. you're, you're seeing like, and, and Janelle and I talk, um, and we've, and I, I've had just been in these rooms and Janelle has, has really orchestrated a lot of these interviews where we've been talking to a lot of fire service leaders and, you know, they all go back to, you know, leadership and communication and, you know, the basics of things that back in the day, when you, when you talk to a lot of people are like, well, my, I was told, don't talk to my officer. They'll tell me what I need to do. And, you know, you know, I, if, if you don't know your role, I'm going to tell you what, where it is. And it was the, you know, more of a mil, militaristic, uh, militaristic, yes, sir, no, sir, I'm going to go do this. Now, that's the way it was. It's still there in certain areas and certain aspects. We are getting better. And you mentioned from a leadership standpoint, get to know your people, get off, you know, so you don't sit behind a desk all day. Is that what you're saying as a chief? I mean, there's times, but right. I think old school, we saw that. And um, so it's really refreshing because you're right. The, the younger generation, um, they do focus on uh, a little bit more on their health and their and fitness, which we didn't even dive too much into the fitness side of things, but you mentioned sleep. And I know that you're really, um, you know, looking into and have done some, some incredible uh, kind of education and, and looking into resources on sleep because it's so important for us in so many other aspects. Right. And you even, there was, uh, I did watch an interview where you were, you talked about sleep and its relationship to mental health. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And so I think you mentioned at one point something about sleep and how if you don't get enough sleep, depression, PTSD, like there were some statistics and data that you shared. I, I don't know if you remember those offhand, but it was pretty uh, kind of like, oh, my gosh, really? Oh, yeah. No, as I um, dove into research on sleep and I'm, I, I would just I was I was researching suicide and everything that I read, there was always like a sentence or two in there about sleep and the importance of sleep. But then what I thought was really fascinating was, you know, we talk about interventions and, you know, when you get scientific, when you find a correlation, you cannot have an intervention. Um, when you find a non-causal link, you're getting close. When you causal link, then the intervention um, can take place. 
place. And what I found was was they started quoting a causal link between disrupted sleep uh, and many mental health disorders, PTSD, depression. But then it's not just you know the mental health; it's physical health. Uh, for example, one night of insufficient sleep can render seventy percent of your cancer fighting cells ineffective. Oh, but that's terrifying. Can, yeah, it's completely terrifying. Um, but then uh, I started to just read more about our cycles and stages of sleep, and you know, we need five cycles, five ninety-minute cycles a night um, for optimal health. But what's fascinating when you dive deeper into the cycles and understand them, the last two cycles are dominated by REM sleep. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last cycle is almost predominantly REM sleep. And in REM sleep is what some of the scientists uh, like Dr. Vanderbilt calls inbuilt therapy. You have REM sleep. That's when you have your dreams. Um, and in that dream sleep, it's where you can take events and memories, especially traumatic events, um, and it helps to resolve them. Uh, and so with that REM sleep, that's why it's the inbuilt therapy. And it's really fascinating to learn that the sleep helps to like rid yourself of memories you don't need and then store memories you do need. Uh, so yeah, the more I dove into sleep, I was like, wow, this is so important. But early in my career, I kind of learned to like to live off of like sub five hours. And I thought that the less I slept, the more productive I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like this, this feeling of guilt whenever I wanted to like sleep more or if I wanted to sleep in, or if I want to go to bed early, I was like, no, this is terrible. I have to read this. I have to go out and do this. I should work a side job. Um, but now I, I, I prioritize sleep big time. Like I want eight hours a night just because I recognize everything that happens when you sleep, like sleep is a very active process. So much good happens when you sleep that if you're not allowing yourself to sleep, um, basically like you're taking years off of your life. Yeah. You're just continually breaking your body down. You can't recharge and, and, and regenerate them. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I didn't, I had no idea things like toxins are, are like released. Um, there's plaques that can build without sleep that lead to like dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, there's just so much active work that happens in our sleep. It's just absolutely, um, fascinating. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, you were talking about the new guy at the station going home to take a nap or whether it's someone who's going to therapy or whatever it might be. And people who think, oh, this is insignificant. I shouldn't need to do this. It seems selfish. But in reality, it's it's the opposite of selfish. There's got to be a new word because it's selfish in a way because it's for us and it's doing the right thing. But ultimately has this selfless value of being a better worker, a better teammate, better communicator, all these things and setting up those boundaries that help people be better and live a healthier life. And so, you know, what's the new word? What's the new word for selfish that's not selfish? Like, because it's really, it's really so positive. Self-care. But so something that you just made me think of. So, so, um, of course, going down all the rabbit holes on it, uh, I started reading about the amygdala, how the amygdala works. And, you know, the amygdala is where fight or flight um, is. It is like where our emotion lies. Uh, when you sleep, you know, less than six hours, your amygdala can be amplified. And they found like 
you know, significant amplification of the amygdala on one night of poor sleep. And when your amygdala is amplified, your ability to cushions are absolutely limited. That's why a poor night of sleep can make you have a temper, can make you, you know, drive like an idiot, um, can make you just, you know, go off on somebody. And uh, Dr. Matthew Walker shared some research and it was really fascinating to see in the spring when we spring forward, they found that Monday after spring forward, if you have court, you're a harsh sentence from the judge um, because of the association wow. with like a, a lost hour of sleep uh, one hour on that. Yeah. But other things they found um, more heart attacks happen that Monday, uh, more wow. suicides. Uh, so many other things are associated with just one hour loss of sleep, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my God. We could do a podcast just on that. And, you know, and actually the, the sleep, the, the fitness, the health, the wellness, we didn't, we didn't talk too much about that just until this, this last part. But I think if, can we have you back to talk more about that? Oh yeah, no, that absolutely. That'd be cool. Cause we do a, um, we do something called, we, we do hot seat questions and, uh, at poor Janelle, you know, we go, we have, we've had these great conversations and I, and I keep telling everybody, can we have you back? And like, Janelle is like, I'm the one who's got to schedule all this. Uh, but, but the, the, the cool part and, and, you know, the stuff that we've, we've dug into and thank you for sharing so much, uh, because I think it really, there's so many other, uh, members of the fire service that are probably listening to this, nodding their heads going, okay, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had those feelings. And now, it, you know, we see that with our children with sleep, right? A two-year-old or a three or four, where, oh, they didn't get enough sleep. You know, they have their tantrums. Well, it's the same for us, whether you're two or 42, right? Like, it affects us. And, um, and, and I think the, the main point is that we need to, A, recognize this, and B, take some steps to take care of ourselves, because the better we take care of ourselves, the better we can take care of each other and those we serve. And... Um, uh, and again, like we, that's a whole nother, that's maybe the, the theme for our next podcast with, uh, with Dean, I don't you think, Janelle? Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's, um, literally, uh, the last book Monday and at that peer support summit. And the first thing I said was the best way to be a helpful peer is to model the behavior, which means you have to take care of yourself. You need to see a therapist. So you know what that's like so that you could better explain it uh, and somebody will be more willing to trust you. You have to model self-care boundaries. Um, you have to model, you know, just making it okay. And it was really cool. Um, Chief John Butler from Fairfax County um, Fire, that's where the conference was. It, was. it was hosted by his department. He spoke for a few minutes and that's exactly what he did. He talked about how important this was to him uh, he, he talked about like his newly promoted officers are right now sitting in an officer development class where they have three subjects about mental health uh, and how proud he is of that. But then he got vulnerable and shared uh, the story of a friend of his who died by suicide and a comment that somebody he loved made, um, basically calling it selfish. And he said that that really bothered him um, because he, too, in his life had had struggles and he knows all too well that it's not selfish, um, that it comes from pain. but it was just so this really incredible leader that people admire and respect share some vulnerability. Uh, and so that, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is in order to better care for other people, we have to learn to take care of ourselves 
and just model the behaviors we want people to see. And set that example. To do. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. And I appreciate you sharing your story as well. And we will include in our show notes, the links to your articles, um, the interview with you so people can hear more about your story as well. And some of the research too, we will we'll definitely share some of those articles. All right, let's throw you in the hot seat though. So these hot seat questions, we, we have a little fun. We don't know where the questions come from. Some are coming from our listeners. Some are coming from, um, you know, people that okay. I talk to and some of them come from Janelle's big brain cells. Um, <laughs> but um, if, if, for those listening, if you have a great question for some of our guests, better every shift at firerescue1.com, you can send an email to us. Um, Janelle, you wanna start it off today? Oh yeah. I think we've got some really good ones today. So you were telling us that you had, you were going to take a long drive when you are in the car for a long time and you're driving, what songs or what kind of music do you like to, to listen to? I long drives have to listen to books or podcasts. I oh, actually nice. listened to chief Lieb while I drove to Fairfax County. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I hate long drives. I, I just absolutely hate it. Um, so I try to find something productive uh, to maybe ease the burden. And actually, Chief Lieb's like, episode flew by. And so that was really awesome. Um, I just downloaded Abby Wambach's new book, Ford. And I listened to that on the way back. It was pretty good. Very cool. She stole my question. And by the way, just to confirm and to, to you know uh, repeat that, that Dina Ali listens to the Better Every Shift podcast. So that's that's our third person. My mom is one, Janelle is the second, and now you're the third. I'm kidding. By the yeah, way, we've got three listeners. Three Y'all listeners. started off really strong. Like episode one uh, came out really strong. I'm actually pretty excited about this podcast. Well, that's we appreciate awesome. the support. You. Yeah, and, and so my question was going to be, what are you currently reading or using for motivation? <laughs> I don't know if anybody else does this, but I no longer can just read one thing. I'm constantly reading multiple books. Um, so, and I reread stuff, which is terrible. So like on the way I listen to Chief Lead's podcast, but I also re-listen to Deep Survival. Uh, it's a really good audio book. Um, and I re-listen to Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, but yeah, I just downloaded Abby Wambach's four. Um, I'm reading a book. Um, mindfulness right now, just trying to learn that. I just finished um, a book about psychological safety, um, fearless organizations. Uh, so I actually, I'm kind of bouncing <laughs> with a, with, like I, I'm too many things. Uh, That's impressive. Yeah. I can't read more than one thing at once. I got a, I got a unitask with my books, but I totally connect with you in that I like to reread things or rewatch or re-listen and just kind of like let it sink in a little bit more. Yeah. I, now I, I, I need that. Yeah. There are some books that when I read, they grab me so much that I can't do other things. But what I found is if I'm reading something trying to dig and it's not grabbing me, that's when I'll have um, to, mm -hmm. to read as well. Nice. I'm an infographics kind of guy, so I just look at pictures, but I do <laughs> I do read. I, I find myself rereading a lot and, and listening. So I wrote those those down. So I'm I'm actually creating a little little 
a little list here. <laughs> that's that's awesome. All right. Well, I've, I'm curious too. We talked just briefly about you being a cyclist and mountain biking. Do you have a favorite trail or somewhere you like to ride, like a national park or somewhere around where you live? There's several trails uh, in the Raleigh area and people make fun of us because there's no mountains here, but it's called mountain biking. Uh, <laughs> however, a four hour drive west is Asheville, Brevard area. And there are just some absolutely incredible remarks. So if asking a favorite, it's definitely going out to like Brevard um, and hitting the mountain bike trails in those areas. But locally, there's, there's, there's a few. There's one close to my house called Williamson Preserve. Um, it's a 15 mile trail and it's just a quick drive and they're fun and flowy. And actually I'm really sad because when I, um, started today, trail status was open, but, uh, it's raining and they just closed it. So yeah. Now do you have, are you a, a bike snob? I don't know. There's probably a better term than that, but do you have like a favorite brand for your mountain bikes? I'm a, I'm a bike snob. Uh, for years, all of my bicycles always cost more than my cars. That was always a um, but yeah, I, I ride, um, a Santa Cruz Juliana mountain bike. Nice. Yeah. We're track up here. We're track. We're track. It's a Wisconsin <laughs> company. So I got to do a track. Oh so yeah. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, actually, um, uh, I love Trek, Trek might be my next bike. Uh, I have a couple of friends that work at our local Trek shop and, uh, they have a pretty impressive discount. So. I, actually, I think a guy on our department, I think his wife works for them. So, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit. I got I got one more question. Uh, okay, I probably have two more questions. But we talked about exercise. What's your favorite exercise? Well, if, if we're going to ask, like, that's that's my favorite. Um, and I, 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 I'm one of those people that I just do a, a lot of different things because I get sick. Um, so I like to, swim. um, I've, I've downloaded, I use this new, um, training program. It's called chalk performance training. I love it. Uh, this former CrossFit athlete, Ryan Fisher developed it. You pay a hundred dollars a year and every day I can pick from five different programs. I'm supposed to stick to one. So he has a strength and conditioning program, program, um, full body aesthetics. He's got one called big booty blueprint. And you're supposed to stick to one and do exactly what he says, but I don't, I jump around. Uh, and so at work in the morning, I'll do the full body aesthetics. It's just, um, lifting. So, you, uh, you don't work up too much of a sweat. So I can come in early in the morning, do that. Um, and then in the afternoon I'll do the strength and conditioning. Um, but I cherry pick my workouts, uh, which apparently you're not supposed to do. However, it keeps me motivated. Yeah, whatever works, right? right? The big booty one, though, you had to look at at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was doing that. Uh, but but um, I, I like the other than that one. So it's tough. He, it's it's really good programming, um, and it's very challenging. So Nice. You got one more, Janelle? Uh, okay, this is another fun one. Do you have a movie that is, like, universally considered terrible that you love? that you are not ashamed to admit that you love. <laughs> um, We've all got one of these, right? We all. I have tons. I don't think this one's universally terrible, but people are really surprised when I tell them how much I love The Notebook. Oh. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I really enjoy watching The Notebook. 
sweet story. Promise. Sweet love story. Yeah. And um, have you guys, any of you guys watched uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't know if like this job has affected me, but I cannot watch it. Um, I used to love it and it would make me cry and I didn't mind. But it's too emotionally challenging for me to watch now. Yeah. But I kind of want to watch it to see if I can do it. It's a challenge. Can you get through it without crying? Yep. I've experienced yeah, that. Like the, yeah. That's how I am with Field of Dreams. Like getting to the end of Field of Dreams, like if I it's not possible for me to not cry, but I, I try really hard. Maybe That's someday. Fun. Sometimes I enjoy crying. It can be cathartic. You need yeah. a good cry. You gotta let it out. Yeah. You know, it's good for you. I, you know, that's, we could do another podcast on that, like, like it, movies and times where you've reacted emotionally, where you're like, how, where is this coming from? Right? Like, you know, not to get back deep into stuff, but man, oh man, like I've like in movie cars, I, I've all of a sudden like tearing up. I'm like, it's a cartoon, but I, I, I think there's a lot more to that. Right. Like, and we, it kind of summarizes everything we've talked about today, you know, where and when some emotions can come out, how to, how to do better self-care, uh, how to really start to, to understand the importance of sleep and relationships and having conversations like this. Is there anything you want to add, like, you know, with the idea of, of being better every single shift, being every, better every single second in this case, you know, uh, we've, we've numerous comments about you got to take care of yourself so you can better take care of them. Is there anything else you want to add that we didn't touch on yet? At least in this episode, because we're going to do another one. We already said that. That's awesome. Uh, I think the greatest thing that I've learned as of recent, especially like as a leader, is not knower. And it's okay to be a not knower. Um, be curious and be willing to admit um, what you don't know, uh, what you used to know and you've forgotten. Um, so that's kind of, that. that's something that I wish more people were okay with. I think we could be, because what I see at work a lot is people, I could tell that they're insecure about certain things. And they choose to try to hide it um, because they don't want anybody to know that they don't know something. And so they can't fix it or improve upon it or model to the people around them that it's okay to, to review and improve or to not know and ask questions. So yeah, I think the best bit of advice that I, I would love to just pass on is to be a not knower. That's like an that. awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome quote. We'll use that for the, uh, maybe for one of the titles here. So thanks so much for your time. Janelle, did you have anything else to add? No, I just, I appreciate that. I love that line. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know things. And one of the running themes of this show seems to be park the pride at the door. It's okay to not know everything and be at a hundred percent all the time. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you again from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, thanks for supporting our mission here of being better and, and living that. And um, we hope to have you back again, if you'll have us. Um, and uh, with that, you know, for those that are listening, I hope, uh, you know, is, is there a way that they can reach out to you chief? Uh, what's the best way to, to, to contact you if they have questions or. I'm on all the social medias, uh, the LinkedIn, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter uh, with my name or um, like Twitter and Instagram or DMA tonight. Um, I'll put that in the private chat. But yeah, I mean, it, it, you can find me on the social media. 
Okay. And again, boundaries, something I've learned is uh, not to reply to things right away. Uh, so if I don't reply right away, I'll, I'll reply. Well, yeah, thank you for for uh, for that. And, and for us, if you have comments, questions, concerns about the show, please reach out to us. Uh, there's a lot of contact links um, within this. But most importantly, make sure that you work hard and uh, take the words from uh, from Chief uh, Dean Ali and uh, put them to heart and, and work to be better every shift. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll uh, see you again sometime soon.